I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing, and I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking, and that's where we kind of live, that kind of... Uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. All right, uh, yet another opportunity to talk to one of my friends, one of my good friends uh, with me today, uh, so you don't have to listen to my you know, crazy voice, is the one and only Elena Valentine, who if you don't know her... Uh, she is the CEO of Skill Scout, who does amazing storytelling for employer brand work, among many other things. But to me, uh, her heart and my heart are overlapped in that telling stories about employer brand. She and I met about two years ago, something like that. Um, we were at an event that I think 12 people attended in San Francisco, and we blo- both flew from Chicago to this event in San Francisco to speak. And I think there were more speakers than attendees. And uh, it was just one of those... I kind of said, fuck it. I kind of said, I don't care. I'll just let it all hang out. And I had one of my one of my favorite presentations where I just said, I don't care. And I'm just going to tell everybody they're, they're, they're crazy and insane and, and let it all hang out. And that is Elena's first impression of me, which seems to have borne some sort of fruit as we are still friends. So um, among the many other things that Skill Scout does and Elena has done, she is doing a documentary that has been gotten a, that gotten a grant, gotten funding to tell the most amazing what I refer to as the love letters to work. Um, uh, you know what, Elena, introduce yourself and we can talk a bit about that and we can get into the actual meat of this conversation. So everybody, welcome Elena, Elena, everybody, everybody, Elena. Hello there, really excited to be here. As James mentioned, I am a self-proclaimed workplace filmmaker. I live, eat, sleep, and breathe the stories of the workplace. This is what I do. This was the purpose I was uh, to have in life, uh, which was to go into your workplaces and capture people as they do work, talking about their work, reflecting on the meaning of their work. And I've made a career out of that, and so have my colleagues at Skill Scout. So by the way, saying that your your whole life is about getting into people's workplace and capturing them could be a completely different line of work, but it is video related. I just want to make that crystal clear in case the feds are finally Very Yes, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> Not there to capture any of the proprietary stuff. Um, yes, it, it is through it is through the lens of a film camera that we're capturing these stories. Thanks for reminding me of that, James. I forgot what I did for a you, second. What? Are you kidding me? <sighs> so let's talk about the documentary real quick because um, I feel like you and I have chatted a number of times as this thing started as, I don't think I was there as, as it was kind of a good idea. I think I showed up and kind of be- became aware of it, or you made me aware of it, once it kind of had a trailer and once it had some legs to it and it's expanded. So talk to me about humans at work. 
Yeah, so Humans at Work itself is a documentary series that we are creating that are following people as they reflect on the meaning of what they do. So the reason why this came about in part was because some of the most gratifying experiences that we've had as filmmakers is when we are interviewing someone who you just know was meant to be in that role, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. These are the doctors who have been dreaming of becoming doctors since they were three years old, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or someone who clearly has just gotten hit just a life transformation about work um, and has this, this powerful story to share. Um, and so that was a huge, certainly, motivation to do this. The other motivation was inspired by uh, a quote from the former diversity and inclusion head at Apple, and she said, there's not enough positive stories about the workplace. And right now, I would say, in, in popular culture and news, there aren't enough positive stories about the yeah, workplace. It's all Dilbertification. It's it's all everything sucks. Everybody's stupid. This is this is why am I doing this? You know, I was promised jetpacks, all that good stuff, and yet we all spend eight, ten, twelve hours a day thinking about doing work. And as I've said before, no one really wakes up and goes, "Yeah, man, I can't wait to get to work and hate it." Everybody wants to love their job. Everybody wants to do good work. Everybody wants to feel good about themselves, and yet. Either the company doesn't do a great job, the economy doesn't do a great job, the culture doesn't do a great job, or simply put, we don't tell the stories when they happen. I imagine many people know people who would be like, oh yeah, I know that person who was born to be a a dentist or born to be an accountant and love that job and they are so in love with that job. They make everybody else's lives easier. Exactly. And I would say the big kind of departure from the work that we might do with clients is that this series and I think for really a lot of our work even with our clients it's about putting the person first that brand second Mm -hmm. and that really is the key differentiator here that this might be a person who's a pilot working for Delta Airlines hypothetically Mm -hmm. but Delta Airlines is supposed to be in the background this is about telling the story of Josh who's been you know dreaming of becoming a pilot for x number of years and this is his story and so in order to do that kind of work even you know for for clients right employer brand leaders who are trying to do that work that can often be really challenging because we often do have to put the needs of the brand or the values of the brand first Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. retrofit to find the person who can match that yeah this is why it's different and this is why we knew that we needed to make separate investments and efforts in doing some of this work on our own um, before we can show this potentially as a best in class uh, for employer brand leaders to think differently about uh, their storytelling work. Yeah, and I think, and having seen the trailer and seen seen other footage, um, I am more than willing to refer to this as art. This is where, you know, so many employer brand videos and so many brand videos and so many kind of what's it like to work there videos and day in the life videos are documentary, but very more document than art. This is a whole different ballgame. Yes, it's a documentary, but it is truly art. It is truly making, I, I can see how it would make a room full of people evaluate why they do what they do and where they work, where they work and why they make the choices they do. And to me that... That is the definition of art. So, to you know, if you get a chance to to take a look at humans at work, is there any kind of linkage? Is there any kind of where, where is it sitting today? What is the? I know it's an evolving monster, but uh, if people want to, you know, kind of check in on it, how do how do people do that? Yeah, well, right now it's www.humansat.work. Mm, gotcha. 
Gotcha. So I highly recommend that everybody take a look at it. And honestly, crib it like crazy because those are the ideas you should be stealing from when you're thinking about your employer brand videos and not uh, the commercials you see on TV and certainly not unboxing videos on uh you know, on YouTube, which, you know, sure serve a purpose, but if you really want to elevate your game, shoot for the stars, man. Should be Make art. Make real art. All right. So um, the meat of this conversation, and here's the deal. Elena and I have breakfast like every month or two, so we're good friends. And so if this conversation just goes absolutely off the rails and inside jokes appear, uh, <sighs> good. <laughs> Too bad. This is my podcast. You don't have to listen to it. No one's paying you to listen. Um, but there, just be forewarned that here we are. So um, I have been a huge fan of Elena's for a very, very long time, and I consider her one of my closest friends. So we're just going to chat. But I've got a simple structure, and this structure is... Is the structure I'm going to use when I do interviews for the rest for the book. I think I've talked about the book before. Um, so Elena, among many many other people, will be interviewed for the book along with the text of whatever the heck it is I'm writing. Which, as soon as I get off my butt and finish the second draft, will be one step closer to, to actual publication. So let's start with the first question I'm going to ask everybody for this process, and from there there are no rules. So uh, Elena, feel free to yell at me and tell me I'm an idiot. You know you you know what the you know what the ground rules for you and me are. Um, so the first question is, how do you define employer brand? And I'll put a little asterisk on that to say, I would love, I'm very interested in your answer because you are not, quote unquote, an employer brand practitioner pro, even though you absolutely are. Um, you come from it from a very different perspective. And for me, um, people get better when we see what we do from very, very different lenses and very, diff very different sets of eyes. So what is your definition of employer brand? So the very quick short answer is I'm going to call it elephant parts. Okay, go. The very long form answer is taking us back to the parable of the blind man and the elephant. Yep. Uh, it's one of my, my favorite parables. And basically the way the story goes is there are seven blind men in a village and an elephant. This is a creature that no one in this village, the blind men have ever seen before. These seven blind men touch a different piece of the elephant. They touch the tail, the tusk, the trunk, the body, and they all have very different interpretations. So the blind man who touches the, the ear, he says, oh, this feels like it's a, it's a fan. The elephant must be a fan. The other one says, well, this tusk feels like a snake. The elephant, you know, must, must be a snake. Uh, the other one, you know, touches another part of the tusk and, and mm -hmm. calls it something else. The legs, um, the, the sides. The a tail. leg, the sides, et cetera. And, and they all are fighting over what's the truth, mm -hmm. right? saying, no, it, it can't be a snake, it's the fan. And the, the moral of the whole story is to say, actually, the elephant is all of these things. No one is, was right or wrong in this situation. It's the fact that the blind man only had just one small purview um, of, of the elephant, as opposed to looking at the elephant as all of these parts. So do you see individual roles or teams as the individual blind men, or how do you take apart this metaphor and parable? So how I take it apart in, in this case is the idea that our company is the elephant and our company is made up of a multitude of stories, endless amounts of stories. Everyone has their own interpretation mm -hmm. and it's up to employer brand leaders to be the ones to be able to see the elephant for what it is, mm -hmm. to be able to identify what those parts are and in some ways to be able to call upon it. Um, to show that actually our company and our brand is made up of all of these stories and interpretations. 
Yeah, I mean, I know when employer branders get together, one of the top four questions is how top four questions is how do you talk about employer brand when the different teams have different kind of driving values or just work differently? And and I think it's easy to say, look, they all have an umbrella culture, and I think that's actually true. But I think being able to to understand the difference between a leg and a trunk is crucial to say look, a leg is there to perform a certain task and thus it can't be wiggly and it can't be messy and it can be flexible. It's thick and strong and supports weight and drives the thing. However, the bigger picture is the elephant. And so if someone wants to be a part of the trunk, what are they getting into that? It's part of an elephant, but it's also part of the trunk. It's also being flexible. It's also, you know, all the different aspects of that. I could also flip it around and say, in a lot of ways, the individual blind men bring to themselves not just what they touch, but what they pers- what they bring to the table. So if they're looking for a big animal or a small animal, they see a big animal or a small animal. So I think there's a lot of driving motivations, a lot of preconceived notions that also influence that conversation. So I think that's you know, do you, do you see how people can not just they see different parts of the elephant, but they all see the same elephant, but they they walk away thinking perceiving it as a different kind of elephant than each other. Of course, because our companies are made up of people and we all are going to perceive things very differently pending our backgrounds, how we grew up, where we went to school, if we went to school, all of these factors. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why, and I know for you as well, employer brand is so fascinating because we do have to take that in consideration. This is not like marketing, right? This is not like creating the most interesting man in the world, right? <laughs> it's about how are we actually creating thousands of most interesting men and women yeah. kind of thing. That's the biggest difference here is, and I think to probably be one of the, the, the challenges, a very powerful challenge is that because this isn't like traditional marketing, we have to think through these micro stories um, and how we're going to come across to many different kinds of candidates with different yeah. backgrounds authentically. Yeah. And that means being open to go full Brene Brown is to be completely vulnerable and to say, look, this is our complete, this is this, this is, you know, go back to who is your, who is your fake pilot and a company you, I don't know that you actually do any work with Delta. Um, Josh, right? Yeah. You, you know, Josh is a pilot, but he's a lot more than that. He might be a father. He might be LGBTQ. We don't know what his, uh, uh, racial or ethnic background is. We don't know what school he went to. He might be someone who votes Republican. He might be someone who votes Democrat. He might be, there's all sorts of aspects to it. And if we just say, meet Josh, he likes planes. That's not enough because every pilot should kind of sort of like planes. What is the next two and three and four conversations and questions beyond that, which means getting beyond the, you know, and I love your example of, you know, most interesting man in the world. That was a hook that's just there to get your attention. So you buy beer for God's sake. It's not about, hey, change your life or go become the most interesting man in the world. It's just, hey, give me five seconds of your time so I can sell you some flipping beer. Whereas what we are doing is helping people change their lives, which means there's a depth to that conversation and it can't just be, here's a cool tagline, next. Exactly. Okay. Let's get to question number two. What do most people get wrong when it comes to employer branding? And I, again, love your perspective because you get to see a lot of different people's employer branding. You are there kind of activating a lot of different companies' employer brandings. I, full disclosure, SkillScout does work with some very, very big and some very, very small companies. So um, I, I, I trust Elena's perspective on all the different ways people do it. So what do people get wrong when they try it? 
I've got a couple. Okay. Um, one is not leaning into the suck enough. Ooh, let's get into that. Um, you know, again, because this isn't marketing, uh, mm-hmm. which I'll get into because I think that's what a lot of people also get wrong about employer <laughs> branding, um, is that you are dealing with folks who are already um, very, uh, both not just per- perceptive, but mm-hmm. skeptical mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. company messaging. Yeah. Um, and when they see, be it a, a video or, or anything that feels more unicorns and rainbows, <laughs> they're, they're questioning, mm-hmm. uh, well, well, what's what's hidden? What are they not telling me? What are they not showing me? Yeah. Um, that, that does make this role challenging because people are, real, are realistic. Um, and so this idea that what you're saying is, okay, well, there's, this is rewarding, but by the way, rain, sleet, shine, or snow, you're out there working. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, you know, here's why people quit. That, that's the big question, right? Um, you know, one of the things that we always push clients to think about is, is to, is to at, at least ask the question mm-hmm. and reflect on it and, and try to communicate, why is it that people quit? Yeah. And sometimes, right, this is a question that is very deep-seated that might have to do with some pretty deep morale and and leadership management, which is a whole other side. But sometimes what this is about is just a lack of understanding of what that job was before they got into it Mm -hmm. or not having a clear understanding of the pathways. It's it's incredible when you can ask that question, particularly to employees who are still in that role. just how valuable that question could be. And we see a lot of um, companies, you know, large ones who have done an an okay job of this or have been very upfront, right? When Jeff Bezos, you know, wrote Mm -hmm. that kind of manifesto to say, yep, that's right, Amazon's not for everyone, everyone, you know, and and this is why. Um, I also just came across uh, a great push from, of all things, uh, a transport, you know, the, the public transportation in Ottawa who was being super upfront to say, look, like if you're going to become a a driver, a bus driver for us Mm -hmm. over the next five years, expect to work weekends. Yeah. Expect not to be able to take the holidays you want to take off at. Oh, by the way, there could be some mandatory overtime. And I was like, heck yeah, Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and because they knew that, you know, we're already flailing to get people in the door. And the more we lie to them, the more we try to make this unicorns and rainbows, they're not going to come through. Uh, and so that level of honesty is so crucial here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, the second, and you say this a lot, right? Is it's trying to create an employer brand that can be all things for all people. And we're yeah. not. Yeah. And I think that's the thing around leaning into the suck, um, is that, y- you know, you also have to answer the question of, uh, who is this company not for and being okay with the fact that there will be subsets of folks um, where this job and company is is not going to be right for them. Um, I get how challenging this can be for larger enterprise companies, <laughs> right? Uh, which is why, you know, I would say some of these employer brands can be really vanilla, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because they have to have such a wide expanse. Yeah. Um, but the well, more no- focused you can be, um, you'll find that you can have a much more authentic voice in the stories you're sharing. Yeah, and, I, and I, my my pet theory for all that is worth is that employer blanding. Um, Ooh, you know, I like it. Hashtag I, employer bland. Stole it, stole it. I think uh, I credit Cheru for for uh, Malhotra for for pointing that one out to me. Love that. That's hers. Uh, common friend of ours. Anyway, um, this idea that as a big company, 
Good employer branding is about letting people tell their stories, but big companies don't always trust their people to tell the story, so they create a story that is stupid proof, that is foolproof, that is anybody, you know, it's the safest possible story so that if someone kind of put, goes out there and, and tells it, they don't screw it up. And so you end up with an incredibly bland story because the stories that I want to hear are, you're right, they are the suck. Tell me what's really going on. Tell me what's horrible about that job. But companies don't trust that any negative voices out there, any negative thoughts out there can be coloring what our understanding of what this company is. Because I think yeah. the other part of the suck part, which I think is a great way of putting it, and I 100% agree, is this idea of, well, why does it suck? Because once you understand, okay, let's go back to Ottawa. Once you understand that, hey, you know, it's not just you're working weekends because we're crappy management and we hate you and we're going to just beat you up for fun, which by the way, let's be fair, many staff already think but if you say, yeah, look, this is the job, but this is why, because we're helping these people get to where they want to go. And we're one of those crucial elements of the city that without us, the city grinds to a halt. And that's really what your job is, that you're, that's the, the motivator of why you should show up is because you're helping others. It is a service to others. Um, it is unglamorous, obviously. It is um, unsexy. It is you know, may not be the most exciting job every day, but you are performing a service for other people, which means occasionally you have to do something you don't like. So to me, marrying the idea of the suck and then the reason why so that people can see, okay, this is how it's all connected. It's how you turn a suck into a positive. You say, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing X to get Y, which apparently Y is what I care about most, so therefore that's where I want to be. Absolutely. And, and I think it gets to kind of the other piggyback point, which is, while employer brand is similar to marketing, mm -hmm. uh, it is distinctly different. Like, there's no lipstick on a pig here. You've no. simply got to share the pig, people. Yep. Yep. You have to share the pig. All pork all the time. Exactly. And so um, that can be a really scary thing for companies to do mm. because of the way they've positioned themselves in the market. It's it's very vulnerable uh, to, to be there. But that is, I think, one thing that folks do get wrong, that this is... There's some elements to marketing, but is it is a mm -hmm. very distinctly different role in in uh, in in the company. Yeah. So that made me think of something, and I realized I hadn't kind of considered this before. If if we're asking companies to say, "Look, embrace the suck, lean into it, talk about it, speak up," if they're the only company who does it, are they in danger of being the one company who looks like the idiot? Is this one of those situations where is it like a prisoner's dilemma, where if Everybody does where is it like a prisoner's dilemma where if everybody does it every Yeah, I mean that's that's a really interesting point. I guess I actually take it at a bit more micro level, mm -hmm. which is I'm observing how folks are using social media and sharing their stories anyway. Yeah. We are a much more vulnerable society, I think, you know, especially with you know, social media and, and sharing things from our family, sharing the ups, sharing the lows, um, that part of this is is moving with the current mm -hmm. of, of of how people want to be communicated to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you don't think there's a fear, uh, maybe that fear is fake, but do you, would you say, if and, and you're a company owner, so you get a cool perspective on this that I don't have, would you be willing to say, I'm put. I'm, I'm going to embrace the suck and talk about my own company. As here's the parts that suck because I know not only will my the 
not the only one doing it, but I'm not going to get punished for it because people are looking for it and want to understand it. And that drives deeper levels of understanding and authenticity and all the good things I should want. Is that something that I yeah. do personally? Yeah. I have to. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, and, I th- and I think, you know, again, as a small business, it's a bit different, but... Um, you know, I would say there was a change for me. I think for a very long time, I tried to hide behind the Skill Scout brand. Mm-hmm. When in reality, the truth is, is that Abby and myself, who are the co-founders, that's how people know about Skill Scout. Mm-hmm. And I had that realization, even for myself, that um, the how Skill Scout would become successful is because Abby and I got personal with ourselves. Yeah. And that we could get personal um, with our colleagues and how we shared these stories. And so I think what I'm seeing successfully, even with larger companies, is when it's no longer the Amazon or container store, it's Kit Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's Herb Kelleher of Southwest Airlines, yeah. right? These leaders who have so humanized themselves. Oh, and I would say this for Herb Kelleher and and, um, you know, Kit Mitchell from Container Store, uh, Gary Erickson from Cliff Bar. I mean, these are all my my kind of entrepreneurial business heroes. Um, you know, they've so humanized themselves in a way um, that as a result, it, it kind of transformed their own companies too, right? I, you know, the leaders are the ones who... Um, are the are, are the reflection of, of what that culture is and you've just seen how you can do business by doing good and and by being yourself yeah and we see more and more examples of that which is interesting because the, the 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 contrarian example of that is a facebook or an amazon where the leader is more and more present and more the focal point but seems somehow less human yes no yeah Maybe. and um not even necessarily human, but um, I think ones where it, it's kind of, you know, butting up against the values that we believe or mm-hmm. do not believe. Yeah. Um, I think it's all human. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think um, I'm seeing more and more that it's less about the, f- you know, the faceless Facebook. Yeah. Uh, pun intended or the faceless Amazon. I mean, we're putting faces to things now. Yeah, we right? Are. Yeah. Um, and the same goes for employer brand. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Jumping to the third question. What advice would you give to someone who owns their employer brand? Um, obviously make lots of videos. It's a, it's a good, good advice. I'll, I'll get that one for you out of the way. (laughs) But beyond that, what advice would you give someone, you know, and I, obviously it's a open question and it's not a. Defined whether they have defined their employer brand or they need to activate or where they need to be, but you know, just any advice you you would give someone like that. Oh gosh, uh, there's several, but let me just give very three quick ones. Go. Uh, one coming from the whole, you know, my design thinking background, former design researcher. When it comes to employer brand, you are merely a facilitator. Mm. Uh, so this is about involving employees early and often. Yeah. Um, thinking of it as more of a design ideation session, letting them share stories, and from there identifying the, se- the themes that seem to resonate the most. Yeah. So that's a big one to me. Uh, the second is democratizing the tools that enable you to engage more employees. Mm. So, for example, you know, is an example with video. This idea that it is, hey, with our smartphones and with some structure, 
uh, and all of us have smartphones, here's what we can capture together. Mm-hmm. You know, giving it, you know, being able to kind of not just democratize, but provide that level of structure where anyone in your organization geographically can participate is really important. Yeah. Um, and I would say the third is, look, the future of work is a contingent one. The future mm-hmm. of work is remote. Yeah. And so as we think about that, how is our employer brand being nimble enough and providing messaging um, to the future of, of what work is going uh, to be like? I think that's a huge challenge yeah. for a lot of folks, right? Because when we think about employer brand, we're primarily promoting full-time roles. And we're promoting what happens in the meeting, and we're promoting what happens in the office, and we're promoting the, the, the day-to-day existence of work that is very much in-house, which is shifting. Exactly. And so that's something that I would be really excited to, to see and to have conversations that are engaging in uh, virtual and, and contingent workforces, which are making up a really large part yeah. um, of the jobs. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm still kind of banging on a drum slowly about this idea that we still revolving with the concept of what a job is. The job is not a set of tasks. The job is not a set of uh, uh, actions. A job is an outcome. A job is about, okay, if your job is to, to fix teeth, then how did you do it? You could use a stick and you can use a stone or you can use a drill or you can use pharmaceuticals or you can use all sorts of things. Heck, you could use hypnosis on some people. The how is not the job. The job is the outcome. And so as people start to bring new kinds of hows into the conversation of what a job is, the jobs, two different dentists can look radically different. Two different recruiters can look radically different. Two different salespeople can look radically different, even though, quote unquote, they're both doing the same job. Um, And if you don't know what a job looks like, how do you talk about it? How do you talk about a day in the life of your job? Or how do you talk about the job description as you know, this is the, 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 the holy grail, the Rosetta Stone of what the job is. The, even that's shifting because the skills people bring to the table influence deeply what and how the job gets done. Yes, exactly. And then the challenge becomes if these are all sales folks but may approach the work potentially differently, mm-hmm. what are we doing to elevate those stories? Because there are going to be a subset of candidates that relate to each and every one of those people. Exactly. If the job of a salesperson is to sell and some people are great on the phone and some people are smilers and dialers and some people are great at email marketing and some people are great at holding events and some people, someone decides to make an app to show how cool cool this thing they're selling is, they're all salespeople, but what story do you tell? And the answer should be probably all of them, getting back to your your second point about democratizing uh, tool sets. Exactly. And and I think that actually goes to number four, kind of the question of what's one surprising thing mm-hmm. that's worked in Captain influencing Segway. and shaping Captain employer brands. Here we go. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say one of the most delightful things that I've been able to work on is working with very large global companies mm-hmm. who are tasked with this challenge of providing localized employer brand assets for their global sites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and what does that look like? How do we maintain this overarching large global brand while still celebrating the unique um, kind of cultures and environments of, you know, Warsaw, Poland, mm-hmm. or of Tijuana, Mexico, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the thing that has been, and, and this could be, and I guess somewhat small, but it was just delightful to see 
um, was kind of leaning into um, the local culture. And, and seeing that it could be done with a really large company. Um, actually, I was sp- speaking of our favorite Charu. Um, <laughs> I remember, you know, talking with her about, you know, some of her work that she does in Poland. Mm-hmm. And, well, it should be a, a duh obvious moment that despite that the, this, you know, there, there are, you know, we have many English speaking companies around the world that what are the ads that resonate the mo- most in Poland? I don't know, Polish-speaking people. Maybe. Or in Latin America, Spanish-speaking people. Um, And, you know, to that point, I think something that had really, that that shifted for us, especially in working with larger global brands, that was very pleasantly surprising to see how well companies have leaned into it, was to be nimble enough to say, and, and I think to advocate to the local employees at these sites by saying, number one, first of all, People are really nervous on camera, let's be honest. By the way, they're also really nervous about speaking in English (laughs) on camera. And the idea that we could say, have you ever considered, you know, permitting them, you know, just to speak in their native language, to let them be comfortable, to kind of celebrate, you know, and and communicate in a way um, that is most comfortable to them so that we're, we can celebrate them in the way they want to be celebrated. Um, if we could shift our offering to be celebrated, um, if we could shift our offering to a lot of companies have. And I, and I know that, that maybe it's a small thing, but that was something that was so pleasantly surprising and delightful. Um, was especially in the work that we do, you know, we're, we're coming up against a lot of factors around camera jitters and around people wanting to look their best. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like they, they have to fit into the kind of, quite frankly, U.S. Western-centric way of talking, looking, sharing, communicating, mm-hmm. when what we wanted is, what we now can do is to say, actually, you know what? If you're comfortable speaking in Hindi, speak in Hindi, yeah. right? And share about your city and share about your work and we'll figure out how we can make sure everyone can understand what you're saying and communicating on the back end. And, and the way you make that happen is to create an employer value proposition, employer brand that is so clear and honest and authentic that it doesn't require a lot of spin, that when someone who's Polish grabs it and takes it and embraces it and speaks it, they're speaking in a language I don't understand, but at the same time, if you translated, that will have some sort of alignment and connection to whatever happens in Tijuana or whatever happens in Chicago or whatever happens in wherever. That, you know, in a way, you're telling the Romeo and Juliet story, but some people tell it in West Side Story and some people tell it in Shakespearean and some people tell it in other, but it's the same story, right? That the local tongue influences the story, but even beyond that, you still understand the underlaying, what is the story? What is the narrative? What is the point this person is trying to make? And does it connect with all the other pieces of information floating yeah. around about this brand? But what's really interesting when we're when it's coming to employer brand is that communication is key here. Mm-hmm. And the mediums by which we're communicating and enabling people to communicate is ever the more important. That this is not about... Um, you know, the employer brand is the employer brand here or there, uh, that if we, if what we're doing is trying to encourage people in their own words to talk about their experiences of this company in their environment, we have to give them as much flexibility as possible to let them do that and to celebrate them at the same time. 
I think that's what I mean. And I'm, I've been very encouraged and pleasantly surprised to see how well some very, very large companies are able to do that. Yeah. I'm thinking of, have you seen, um, oh gosh, there, there's a whole bunch of examples of people in, I think it's Nigeria, that they see Western films and they recreate them locally using whatever they have at hand and it's funny they're telling star wars type stories but they don't have cgi and special effects they have you know camera tricks and they have um you know in camera editing and they have you know but they're streamlining conversation but they're making it very much about a nigerian story suddenly the the story that we think of as our own story about star wars is their story too yeah no i know and i think that's so fascinating and i and i think it's it's being open to the fact that it's it's not co-opting. I, I mm-hmm. think it's it's more about complementing. Yeah. That out of this kind of one value, out of the Star Wars, you're you can have so many multiple interpretations. It's like it's fan fiction. This is what it is. Come yeah. on, everybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. employer brand, right? Like at its best is mm-hmm. fan fiction. Yeah. It's like okay, we've started out with God. What was it? It was Twilight. Mm-hmm. There's some odd connection. Fifty Shades of Grey and Twilight, yeah. you know, all these things. And I think that that's the same thing. And that's what's so exciting is that people can build upon each other's work. Yeah. And communication is, you know, we talk about it as a two-way street, but it's not. It's actually a, a, a loop where I say, I explain something to you, you interpret it, you understand it, you ask a question, I reframe it, I re, you know, I, and it goes around and around and around. In the same way, the narrative of the brand. I'm going to put it out in the world. Someone in a branch in Poland is going to interpret one way. That's going to come back to me, and I'm going to say as the owner of the employer brand, oh, wow, that is so far off base, but at the same time is so dead on. That's interesting. How do we absorb that? How do we you know, add that into the gumbo that we're mixing in the employer brand so that when it goes back out to Poland, it's still them, it's still what they're saying, and they have another way of repeating it. So it goes back and forth and back and forth. Exactly, exactly. That's really interesting. And I, 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 P.S., can we just have a little tiny round of applause, employer brand is fan fiction? That is glorious. <laughs> that is flipping genius. I am stealing that. I'm going to credit you, but I'm stealing it, so there it is. Love it. Uh, right, last question. So, um, and obviously, if we want to talk about whatever, um, what is an employer brand professional's biggest challenge from your point of view? I'm going to keep saying it again. Um, finding ways to involve employees early and often in the actual employer brand strategy and build. Um, in part because some of the best ideas and products come from the bottom up, and the same is going to apply here too, if not be even more important um, than before. So I would say that that's the biggest challenge, and so then it is thinking through, well, well, then what are the tools, what are the mechanisms by which we can start to do that? Um, So then the second, you know, which is kind of very squarely kind of where we've you know, put our stake in the ground and, and passion is, oh, well, what are we doing to enable more employees to capture and share their stories, mm-hmm. right? Not just one or, you know, a singular narrative from a singular location, um, but what are we doing to kind of really democratize, to scale that? Uh, and I think the the last, and again, this is something I'd, I've said before, is we have a, we have a changing landscape of work. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be really thoughtful now about you know there might be some additional pretty important stories that we haven't invested in that we should um around things like remote work or contingent etc um because they are such a large part of our business that we might be ignoring from an employer brand perspective yeah 
because the employer brand is the brand of the employees. It's the story of the people engaging in work. And if you try to build an employer brand without employees, what the hell are you talking about? What What is the story you're trying to tell? Look, it's cool building. Look, we have cool tools. Look, we use Slack or look, we don't use Slack or whatever it is. That's not a story. That's that's just a feature. That's a, a factoid that doesn't tell a narrative, doesn't drive a narrative, doesn't explain something. It doesn't, you know, the, the people are the lifeblood. And so I think you're 100% right getting people getting staff involved in the production, development, clarification, re- revelation, activation, communication of, and all the other shuns we can add on to that, um, of the employer brand is crucial. Otherwise, it's just what some person charged with employer brand thinks the employer brand is, and that there's no legs on that. There's no, there's no lifeblood in that. No, there isn't. And there's some really easy ways to do this. I mean, in, in your work, you know, Speaks for Itself or what you did at Groupon in other places where it could be as easy as a, a very short five-minute collection survey. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done where there's pulse questions that get sent out every week of yeah. things like, you know, tell me, you know, tell us something that has inspired you most recently, yeah. right? Um, you know, there's ways you can do that. I'm a huge fan, again, of like you maybe like design ideation sessions mm. where, you know, I'm coming literally like when we've even done this for Skill Scout and others to say, we, you know, we need to kind of figure out like what is our employer branded yeah. Skill Scout? And so how might we, right, which is a huge part of design thinking, how might we design an employer brand that is X and X and X, right? And then letting people just kind of share those ideas, share their stories. Um, it's a lot of crowdsourcing. Um, and the, so the more opportunities that we could be crowdsourcing, um, the, more re- the more reflective your employer brand is going to be of the employees who actually work there. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Wisdom of Crowds? I have not, but I am putting that literally <laughs> on my book list. It's called the, I'm writing this down right now, The Wisdom of Crowds. Yeah, James Love Surikowski's. It. I'm probably butchering that last name. Um, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that as a, as a good example of how to talk about that stuff until you just talked about the power of the crowds and power of, of getting everybody involved and get, letting them have a voice. But that's exactly what that book's all about is um, – why the many are smarter than the few. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, yeah. I am going to read that and probably get a lot of wisdom. And you will likely see m- much new opinions <laughs> based on this new book that I will be reading. Yeah, I love to, it. I'm going to have to go back to and read it. I literally read that years ago, and it's now suddenly going, oh, this is something i got to go back to. Um, okay, well, that's technically all we had to talk about. So if anybody wants to listen, wants to walk away, that's fine. But... How you doing, Elena? What is up with you? What's your life like? What's uh, what's you know Skill Scout? What else is going on at Skill Scout? What's kind of you know driving your ichi guy? You know what's going on? Uh, well, what's going on is, gosh, um, pretend we're eating tacos, breakfast tacos. It makes great. the whole conversation. So here's much what I'll easier. tell you. Here's yeah. what I'll tell you over some uh, some vegan chilaquiles, my friend James. Are you, are you still vegan? Are you still rocking the plant based? I am. I oh, am rocking the plant based the plant based diet. That is impressive. Um, I will say that we most recently came up with an organiza- an organizational creed, mm. uh, which I would love to pitch to you. Okay. <laughs> uh, which is we exist to capture the humanity of all jobs and humans. Oh. I love the word humanity. Everyone has a story of work and why it's meaningful. And it is our responsibility as workplace documentarians to capture those stories with reverence, humility, and respect. Wow. 
one, do, can you give it to me one more time? There's a lot to unpack there and it, it hits me all at once, but yeah, one more time. We exist to capture the humanity of all jobs and humans. Everyone has a story of work and why it's meaningful. And it is our role as workplace documentarians to capture those stories with respect, humility, and reverence. Yeah, I wouldn't change a damn thing. That, yeah, I wouldn't change a damn thing. That's amazing. That is the, it's, you're, you know, every job has a purpose. Every job has meaning. Every job has value. That's in there. Um, how you're taking it is there, how you're taking that story and, and, and treating it well and giving it the love it needs and fostering it to grow. And because, you know, that process of communication, that, that, that loop of communication is as someone tells their story, chances are they don't even realize they're telling their story. And as you capture it, edit it, reflect it back to them, they see their own meaning suddenly. They go, oh, gosh, is that what I, be? I mean, it's like therapy, right? You don't realize you're making those choices over and over again, yeah. or making those mistakes over and over again, or making those whatever it is. And suddenly the person who can put that mirror right in front of you and say, do you know you do this every single time? Or do you know you, you've, every time you talk about work, you smile? Or do you know that every time uh, you talk about this old boss, um, you know, whatever it is, that's, incredibly powerful. You are creating a narrative that most people don't realize they're living. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, and that's something that's been ingrained in us for a long time. Yeah. The reason why this was actually created had to do with the other side. It's as folks who are behind the camera, Mm -hmm. what are we doing to make sure that we're putting our biases aside? Mm. So without belaboring or going into a ton of detail, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that you know, we work with many different kinds of companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can nitpick at all of these companies um, what might be an affront to a personal value that you might have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so that's something that as a group we've reflected on and, and we've had to talk about, um, especially, for example, if there might be uh, colleagues that we have that might be uncomfortable going into some environments. Yeah. Um, and this is why the, that creed was, was captured. Uh, I, I, the other question that so it, so really it, gave so me... It, mm-hmm. So it allows the people collecting and crafting that story to... Uh, That's our employer brand, James. Yeah. That is our employer brand yeah. uh, mission, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like that. And that if you, you know you know, can't maybe put your biases aside to recognize that everyone has a story of work, even if this might be at a company whose value, you know, that you may not agree with. Yeah. Um, or maybe this is a person in front of you who you know likely has very different values than yourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We still have to capture this story with a sense of discovery, reverence, and respect because mm-hmm. that person wants to be heard, wants to share the story of why their work is meaningful, and yeah. that's why we're doing the work that we're doing. Yeah. Um, You're suspending your own biases and judgments about their job and why they do their job and letting their, their story exactly. kind of happen. Interesting. And this came about uh, because I was posed the question, would there be any company or person that I wouldn't interview? Yeah, yeah. And leaning into that and thinking about, you know, have we been courageous enough, one, in you know, go, going into to companies or to tell stories uh, where there might be multiple sides to it. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, and, and so, you know, Abby and I initially were like, we listed off like, oh, well, yeah. we would, we, well, for example, right, we, we'd never interview yeah. anyone at the NRA, like we'd mm-hmm. never promote blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but then I, I had pause and it was more of like, well, you know what? Like our role as workplace documentarians is to put our biases aside yeah. and to realize that even that gun manufacturer mm-hmm. <laughs> has a story of work and why it's meaningful to them. Yeah. And everybody's the hero in their own story. And everyone's a hero in their own story. Um, it's not to say right now, even as I think about that, that I have this all figured out. Well, um, none and of that none of I'm do. perfect in you know going into spaces in interviews with you know to and and keep my biases at the door. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly something that we need to strive for if we're going to tell honest. Um, and respectful stories um, of people because what they're giving us is not just their time. They're opening a huge part of their lives yeah. to us in these 25 minutes, a half an hour. Yeah. We're getting pretty close pretty quickly. Yeah. That, You'd be surprised no, the level of rapport that we have to create within mm-hmm. five minutes. Yeah. Where someone feels comfortable enough to cry in front of us. Can I ask, uh, and I'll happily edit this out if you won't answer this, is there a good opening question you like to use that you would recommend people kind of steal to, to kind of build that same rapport with people they're trying to connect with like that? Especially, especially around video, especially around storytelling, especially around employer brand? So I certainly have a, a track of, of how I prep folks. Yeah. Um, which may not be useful, but the one tangible piece of advice I'd share is that if you are trying to get people to be vulnerable with you, mm-hmm. you have to get vulnerable with them. Yes. And sometimes what that means is, you know, it could, it could one could literally just be, you know, hopping on the call with them, just getting to know them as people. Mm-hmm. You find out they have two kids, you might have two kids, right? Like, so there, there's part of it is like, if you're, if you're needing them to share, you have to share too. Yeah. If they're crying, you cry too, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, give them permission um, to lean into whatever emotion they're feeling and to be on that journey with them. Yeah. Um, that I would say at the high level is, is the kind of work that you should um, be doing. I think the other thing, and, and this is, I think, what's um, been a differentiator for us. And, uh, you, you know, we call ourselves workplace filmmakers, but it's it's beyond that. We want to be workplace story discoverers. Yeah. And what that means is a lot is we're coming into spaces. We may have guiding questions as to... Um, you know, all right, we, 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 want, we need to understand the day in the life. So, all right, let's, let's kind of talk through this. But inevitably, it's knowing that we're coming into there with a sense of discovery, expecting to be surprised, yeah. right? And waiting for when that surprise is going to come because a surprise always comes and then you lean into it. So we're, while we have, you know, guiding questions, that's what they're called. In every conversation we have with someone, we always frame it as that this is an informal conversation between two people yeah. getting to know your work um, and that there will be things that come up and, and we're, we want to go down that rabbit hole with you, especially if you see that as being really important to your experience. Yeah. Being and open, I think be- being open to letting the story occur, to let it happen exactly projecting what you think it's going to be. And when you do that, what you find yourself doing is a very good facilitator, a very good video interviewer is one where that employee or that camera talent feels like they are the ones who, are, who have driven that interview, not you. Yeah. That, th- when, when you can do that, when you can see that someone is leaning into that and feeling that, mm-hmm. 
that means that you're a damn good interviewer and you got a damn good story. And I can't think of a better way to end this conversation than that right there. That is fantastic. Elena, as always, it's a pleasure. I am so, so thrilled to count you as a friend and I love spending time and having these conversations because you always make me think. So I appreciate you hanging out and doing this goofy little podcast with me. Um, obviously, I owe you one. I appreciate you. The goofy guy with the goofy podcast. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> that one may, may not make it to LinkedIn. That's <laughs> I'm just going to say, you, you, I think the, the funny thing is, is the, the first thing you said to me when, in that, that after that presentation in San Francisco years That's ago right. is that you said, um, I think you're like the Jim Cramer of employer brand. And I went, oh, for I will sure. take that. I will take that. So yeah, do that, it. that might end up on a LinkedIn profile one day. <laughs> all right, Elena, thanks so much for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. As always, um, I skipped all the housekeeping, but you know, I got a newsletter, go sign up for it or, you know, go, or that goes to office hours, just sign up for those. Otherwise I will see you next week. Thanks everybody. Bye. This has been an episode of the talent cast, part of the evergreen podcast network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple of ways to do that. Obviously there's Twitter at the war for talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk, that's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.